Good morning, all. Good morning, sir. Good morning, sir. Good morning, sir. Good morning, sir. So I hope you all know the syllabus, right? Syllabus of medieval history. Okay. Is there someone who's um, attending my class for the first time? Yes, sir. Okay. Right. Other people who regularly attend my class, kindly tell me what is the syllabus for medieval history? Excuse me. Guys, what is the syllabus of medieval history? Hello. History from 700 to 1750. Okay. <clears throat> Good, Anantu. Right. So the history period between 700 to 1750. Is there any historical importance for the year 1750, Is there any historic, uh, history, uh, I mean, historical significance for the year 1750? Company rule. <clears throat> okay. Right. Anyways, so the medieval Indian history part, um, this is one of the low yielding subjects. Okay. So don't spend much time. Don't read two or three books for this particular subject. As long as you confine, you know, your uh, knowledge, as long as you confine reading uh, medieval history to specifically like one or two books. If you are going to read NCRT, read uh, 7th standard NCRT plus 11th standard themes in Indian history 2. 
sorry, 12th standard teams in university too. Okay. So apart from that, there's no need to read for medieval history. And if you are not comfortable with the NCRT, you can read Tamil Nadu textbook for medieval history. So apart from this, don't read anything else. Okay. There are a lot of other books uh, which is prescribed for medieval in the industry. But don't waste your time on reading medieval history because these days, particularly after 2015, the questions from medieval history part is kind of you know, uh, out of the blue. It's coming from somewhere that nobody knows. So if you are lucky enough, you will be able to answer. And at the same time, it's not just the luck as we know, right? We, we have been seeing question paper for the past three, four months. We are continuously seeing previous question paper. I hope you would have understood that common sense is more important in cracking preliminary examination, especially for the medieval history part, your common sense is needed because medieval history is one such subject where questions are coming out of random, coming out of blue. So better equip yourself with common sense, practice question paper, solve test series, practice previous question paper so that it will help you in medieval and history. Okay. So apart from whatever you are learning in class, apart from whatever I'm teaching you in class, all that you have to do is concentrate on NCRT, that is 7th standard NCRT and the 12th standard NCRT, or you can read Tamil Nadu textbook for medieval history. Am I clear? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay. <clears throat> so, uh, syllabus. Anantu said uh, 1,000, 700, sorry, 700, 2,750. So anyways, the important topics that you are going to read or you have to prepare for medieval histories, one thing, um, uh, right, uh, one thing is Delhi Sultanate. Second thing is Mughals, right? Third thing is Bhakti and the Sufi movement, okay? Apart from this, there's nothing much to read in medieval Indian history, except if you want to read from imperial choras. And one issue about choras is that, uh, um, right, choras, apart from art and culture, and apart from Kudavolai system of choras, there's nothing much discussed in any of the books. Okay, so if at all UPS is going to ask you a question from South India, they are going to concentrate on two parts. One is the Chora kingdom, the imperial Choras are the later Choras, and the second one is Bamani and the Vijayanagara kingdom. Right? And even in that, they are going to concentrate majorly on art and architecture. So anyways, we will be reading about art and architecture after medieval Indian history. So the regions that you have to concentrate for medieval Indian history is one thing, Imperial Choras, second, Bamani and Vijayanagara Kingdom, third, Delhi Sultanate, fourth, Mughals. Right? Shall we start? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay. Yes, sir. Okay, so uh, we already saw in ancient Indian history, right? We already studied ancient Indian history. So where did we stop exactly at ancient Indian history? 
what was the final stop of ancient indian history chalukyas chalukyas okay then anything else guys hmm okay i think i should point out people and ask abdullah unfortunately your name is the first name Abdullah, are you there? Okay. Tell me, Abdullah, where did we stop in ancient Indian history? sure anyone else ancient indian history where where did we stop disintegration of dynasties good okay <clears throat> then i think i should ask people chalukya okay anantu yes sir ah tell me anantu where did we stop uh, after gupta uh, in north india okay after gupta north india and in south chalukya hmm uh after rana sir okay kartika okay death of harshavardhana good so death of harshavardhana marks the beginning of early medieval history in india or uh, that's where the ancient indian history stops the pallava society and culture that's entirely different like you know it's a continuous process um kartika what you are saying is correct death of harshavardhana actually death that death of harshavardhana marks the beginning of early medieval indian history right 
so what happened after the death of asha was i hope you all know right what happened after death of asha what happened no successors no successors good why, why there was no successors uh, his son was killed by yes good very sons. good right so there were no successors after asha so what happened kartika you already said the answer i think what happened the dynasties got disintegrated into different parts yeah good and there was no political unity right once after the death of harshavardhana there was no political unity for nearly 5 centuries right and obviously the northern part and the northwestern part of india was divided among rajput kingdoms do you remember any of the rajput names anyone remember any of the rajput names hari singh what hari singh okay no no i am not asking the ruler name just the regions mewar good ajmer kanoj sindh gujarat so all these regions were under different rulers okay the different rulers were among the rajputs so the rajput kingdom consisted of many rulers who fought amongst each other okay the problem is there was no political unity or there was no unity among the rajput kingdoms so what happened is the entire region was divided among these rajputs who fought against each other and this war of succession or the the you no know, the win the uh, winning and the losing of the war continuously continuously putting strain on the limited economical resources and economical affairs that this region were holding okay and what would be the consequence of such things what would be the consequence poverty okay then see just simply think no trade trade uh, just imagine this india is there and you know that india and uh, uh, bangladesh or india and pakistan have issues right border sharing issues there and also india and china have that same issue border issue so imagine this if pakistan india and china is continuously waging war against each other what will happen political instability good political instability then invasions invasions obviously china uh, neither china nor india not even pakistan can become a superpower or cannot even establish a good economy for the country and if there is no good economy and if they are continuously fighting war against each other obviously it is going to 
create problems in all of the countries so the northwestern part under the rajput kings they were continuously waging war against each other and by waging war one thing is huge loss of manpower and what were these guys using what kind of weapons were these guys using what kind of weapons these guys were using okay what kind of animals were involved in the war cavalry cavalry good hmm horses and animals uh, elephants but, uh, elephants elephants actually majorly elephants rather than horse they majorly believed in elephants okay majorly involved elephants in the war process only after delhi sultanate or only when the delhi sultanate started cavalry became an important integral part of the uh, you know the um, uh, part of the war before that it was majorly elephants right anyways so they were using elephants they were using what kind of weapons bows and arrows bows and arrows okay Hmm. Spear. Exact. Like majorly iron, iron, iron uh, elements, right? Spears, which are rudimentary in nature. So one side the economy is declining, the other side the resource, the iron implements, the iron ore resource is also depleting, right? so what kind of signal what kind of signal this particular uh, political instability gives to other people they are weak to rule the place what they are weak to rule the place they are weak to rule the place okay good could be invasions from outside sir not getting you what invasion from outside india invasion from outsiders okay hmm then as as they are you know weak in resources and uh, what um, men and cavalry it is mm. easy for the outsiders uh, to okay good so right so this is the state of affairs in the northwestern and north part of india okay and if you come little south there were three guys okay they were fighting war war i mean they are also waging war against each other tripartite struggle i hope you heard about this struggle right among whom tripartite pratiharas ha huh? pratiharas good then tripartite struggle chalukya are you sure it's chalukya rashtrakutas uh, yeah right the palas the gurjara pratiharas and rashtrakutas these three, three guys they become little south they were constantly fighting against each other to uh, to to become a dominant 
people are to ascertain their dominance over the entire central india right so the northwestern part the northern part of india the southern part of india and even the eastern part of india up to the bengal region these guys were continuously fighting war against each other which gave a signal to the outside world that the region was politically unstable and what could be the consequence you know right if india china pakistan they are continuously fighting against each other what will happen who will come into who will come in the middle who will come in the middle sir could you repeat the question once again i don't get it yeah sure the question is if china pakistan and india uh, waging war against each other and continuously involved in skirmishes who will involve us united states good since united states of america is the strong country or the major superpower nowadays it will involve but during the early medieval history who was the superpower mongols mongols okay no mongols persians mongols persian kingdoms persians persian mongol no british britisha who said that sir good adit um arabs guys it's there in the slides i don't know why you are thinking so much anyways it's the arab conquest okay so anyways um so before going to the arab conquest we have to know two important things who are actually rajputs where do they come from uh, are the indigenous people of india or whether they are you know invaders who settled in india or uh, what is their you uh, know descendancy any idea about rajputs any idea about rajputs indigenous people indigenous people okay like uh, tribal leaders uh, who gain strength and not getting you what sir uh, some tribal leaders who gain strength in some areas like tribal tribal leaders okay mm-hmm. and they inserted power and getting into power okay anything else group of warriors who climbed kshatriya caste yes that's true okay see there are uh, several theories related to the origin of rajputs okay but generally they are considered to be the 
descendants of foreign invaders okay uh, descendants of the foreign invaders and the kshatriya clan okay but what what the one thing about rajputs is they settled in india they indianized themselves and over a period of time they acclaimed their supremacy and finally they claimed themselves as the kshatriya clan that's one issue okay so uh, though there is no exact theory about the origin of rajputs generally believed that they are the descendants of the kshatriya clan and the foreign invaders who indianized themselves okay so so that means rajput kingdom the rajputs doesn't belong to one single particular community okay so some there uh, the settlers i mean the invaders and somewhere the indigenous tribal people so it's a mix of all the people that were present in the north western part and northern part of india and what about arabs where do they come from what is their origination they also come to trade for what they came to trading only no sir came for trading uh, arabs 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 that happened actually but during this period i am asking west asia sir west asia okay good so what do you know about mecca what do you know about medina and there is one person you must be knowing prophet muhammad i hope some of you must be knowing right for nos kindly religious place of muslim community na religious place of muslim community mecca and medina okay so religious Arabia. place of muslim community mm -hmm. and who's prophet muhammad descendants of muhammad mm. guys okay then i think i should ask people abdullah afla the uh, last prophet what last prophet yes last prophet, last prophet. okay mm -hmm. or uh, you can say the leader of muslim uh, leader of muslim community okay mm. is said to be messenger of god okay good right anyways so it all start started in mecca okay so that was the origination point or the birth of the religion islam religion happened in mecca by the prophet muhammad the thing is that is wrong what i think it is not makka the religious i don't think so uh, uh, not getting a word so there is a problem with my are you able to hear now yes yes uh, makka is not the birthplace of islam makka is not the birthplace of 
Islama. Huh. Okay. Is there any other theory? Mm, it's, it start from the first person, Adam. Please. Huh. Yeah. Okay, whatever it is, just continue, sir. No problem. <laughs> okay. Right. That's how textbook says. Islam started from Mecca. Mm. Right. Uh, so, what happened is his teachings. Um, obviously, wealthy people did not like his teachings. So, what happened is he earned a lot of enemies because of his teaching. So, he had to move from Mecca to Medina. Okay. After the migration from Mecca to Medina, what happened is he had to develop his religion, forward his religion. Okay. But what happened after the death of Muhammad, Prophet Muhammad? What happened after the death of Prophet Muhammad? Is there anything called Khalifa? Another four rulers came. Huh? Khilafa, Hila, yes, Khalifa. Khalifa, Khilafat. Khalifat. Right. So the followers of Muhammad, they established this Khalifat. Okay. And slowly, Muhammad bin Qasim, and there were other people who you know, expanded their territory. Okay. And over a period of time, what happened is this caliphate or caliphate, uh, instead of being the head of the kingdom, instead of being the, you know, uh, the king of the kingdom, he became more of a religious person. Right. So there were other people who emerged victorious or there were other people who wanted to conquer the world. Is there anyone like that? You remember? So could you repeat the question once again? Yeah, sure, ma'am. See, after the death of Muhammad, what happened is this region had to expand under the name of Khalifa. Okay. And over a period of time, what happened is Khalifa became more of a religious person and there were other kings who emerged um, no, as a ruler who wanted to conquer the world. Is there anyone that you know uh, that wanted to conquer the world during this? Alexander. Alexander. Alexander the Great. No, ma'am. I'm asking during early medieval history period. What you are saying is 326 BC. Chinggis Khan. Chinggis Khan. Chinggis Khan kind of came late. Is there, sir, any Turkish ruler? Yeah, lot of Turkish ruler. One important person is Muhammad bin Qasim, who invaded Sindh region. Sir, Ghazni was in 10th century, no, sir? What? Sir, Ghazni was from 10th century, no? Yes, yes, Ghazni was from 10th century. What? I am saying Muhammad, Muhammad Qasim, not Muhammad of Ghazni. Oh, okay. okay. Muhammad bin Qasim. Right? Okay, sir. Okay. So what happened is Muhammad bin Qasim, he invaded the region of Sindh. 
but one problem with invading sindh is a powerful gurjara pratihara kingdom was established in the northwestern part of india in the punjab sindh region so they were not able to penetrate through, through this region but however this contact or this arab conquest of sindh region the mohammed bin qasim conquest of sindh region established a great tie between indian and arabian uh, you know between indian and arabians right how i uh, how do you think this would have affected the region or this would have affected or affected the religion trade or uh, discoveries between india and arabia guys do you understand my question export okay already there were trade relations uh, through sea sea waters mm. uh, it might have uh, expanded Mm. Uh, like uh, roadways also. Okay. Seaways. Hmm. Apart from trade, is there anything else? You guys are concentrating only on trade. Is there anything else apart from trade? Good. Very good, Faisal. Religious conversions. Then, is there anything else? new scripts and uh, no adit after the invasion of mohammed bin qasim the relationship between india and arab like you know it 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 got reinforced ties were greater during this period okay even before this india and arabia had a relationship there was trade relationship everything was going on but with the invasion of muhammad bin qasim the ties became greater and the influence of arab into india and the islamic you know influence happened in india to much greater extent so cultural influences they started settling in india cultural influences they started settling in india good very good architectural changes faisal uh, architectural changes happened but not during this period it it is like later delhi sultanate period for example arcs and domes were introduced by the delhi sultanate but uh, not these guys okay anyways keep this in mind right so as we were discussing the early medieval history part what happened is death of arsha and after the death of arsha there was no political unity in the north and the country was split into number of different groups 
and there was fighting against each other and the waging war against each other which created uh, economic imbalance and the poverty and the issue is the kashmir region gandhara sind okay these guys were fighting against each other and the early 8th century kashmir became dominant however palas of bengal and gujara pratihara these guys these guys were fighting amongst each other one side and in the 10th century the rashtrakutas of deccan okay the north extension of mohammed bisqasim failed because of the powerful rashtrakutas but however as we were discussing okay these are some of the major rajput clans anyways palas pratiharas chauhans rathos guhilas chandelas paramara sena solanki okay sir uh, right the solanki of gujarat they have one historical importance right do you remember the solankis of gujarat guys chalukya uh, not getting you what chalukya what also known as no Okay guys what do you know about Muhammad of Ghazni at least tell me that he plundered uh, stay wealthy temples he plundered wealthy temples what somnath somnath temples good very good somnath temple which region gujarat gujarat who are the rulers of gujarat solanks yeah solanks is it is there in the slides why are you guys thinking this much i don't understand right so the solankis of gujarat were important in one like one instance that is the mohammed of ghazni invasion and the failure of solankis to stop the mohammed of ghazni invasion which created havoc and finally the entire region you know got vanished out of the map because of one side mohammed of ghazni and the other side the rajput clans fighting amongst each other right anyways so this is what i was saying islam started in mecca in arabia by prophet muhammad okay so however uh, slowly the sindh region it was i mean it was not uh, i mean um, it even though it was failed 
the arab influence in uh, arab influence came into india right so these are the things that happened because of arab conquest of india one thing is arabs settled down as someone said right arabs settled down and they established a relationship with the local population and uh, slowly the diffusion of indian culture happened okay you know that a lot of arab travelers came do you remember any of the important arab travelers any important arab travelers ibn batuta batuta african ibn batuta what ibn batuta not getting what batuta batuta ah good then albaruni good very good iban batuta albaruni why albaruni is important he wrote kitab al-hind very good kitab al-hind he wrote kitab al-hind good 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 very good kitab al-hind why iban batuta is important orientalis what orientalis hmm good so oh some of you are in fire good so the conquest of sindh one thing is the arab travelers the influence of arab travelers in indian culture okay so these travelers who were visited india for example albaruni kitabaitin he wrote detailed account about the indian economy indian culture the caste system that prevailed right indian medicine indian astronomy indian numerals traveled to other parts of the world especially to europe because of this arab travelers and the arab conquest of india okay so that's how uh, zero went from india to europe okay so the indian medicine astronomy indian numerals all prized possessions from india went from india to other parts of the world because of this arab conquest in india right so these muslims the islamic uh, invaders who settled in the northwestern part of india they also slowly became indianized over a period of time right and islamic conversion happened now you tell me how this will weaken or how this would have weakened the um, rajput kingdom what kind of influence would this do to the islam I mean, would this do to the uh, rajput kingdoms
guys come on sir question repeat don't be silent yes question is <clears throat> how this um arab influence okay or uh, the arab settlement in the northwestern part of india would affect the rajput kingdoms rajput clan a religious conversion religious conversion okay is there anything else arabs became friendly with natives native support for arabs uh, no amal <clears throat> guys think martial relations what married uh, the arabs uh, married the queens of rajput kingdoms Oh, marriage, married. Uh, okay, okay, right. Matrimonial relationship between Arabs and Rajputs. Mm-hmm. Right. Anything else? So the mixing up of new culture created problems in Rajput. Uh, created problems in Rajput dynasty. okay maybe they, uh, they won't accept the new culture cultural rights what happened is the establishment of you no know, arabs in the northwestern part of india influenced rajput kingdoms and also became inspiration for the upcoming turkish rulers okay especially there was one very ambitious person known as it's in the slide gesni hmm muhammad of gesni ma'am muhammad of gesni Muhammad of Ghazni. Okay, so slowly the caliphate started to decline, and Turkish governors from region to region they started to ascertain or establish their own independency, ascertain their independent kingdoms. Okay, and the caliph became only a ritual authority for a period of time, and Muhammad of Ghazni. who was the son of sabuktujin the founder of turkish ghazni dynasty and was a turkish slave commander okay so 
one thing about mohammad ab ghazni was he was very ambitious person okay he had cavalry instead of relying on elephants he relied majorly upon the strength of cavalry right second thing is he had a very good disciplined army right third thing is uh, apart from being ambitious he was a able leader right who had a very good command over his army okay one side there is a person like mohammad ab ghazni with such valor and uh, no potential the other side there were numerous rajput kingdoms small small kingdoms who were fighting amongst each other with rudimentary weapon relying majorly upon elephants so now you tell me who will win the war who will win the war if these two people fight against each other guys mohammad kasmi what happened to other people is it very boring no sir okay gazni 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 okay <clears throat> so mohammad ab gazni he invaded india 17 times what, what what is the necessity to invade india 17 times if he, if he is a such an able to leader who can win the war easily why is there any necessity to invade a place 17 times again so for the 17 times he just came and uh, looted things mm. and go back and mm. only only on the 17th time they are, uh, he is able to defeat the king and rule over the place okay very good so does that mean mohammad ab ghazni was just a plunderer and a looter guys does that mean mohammad ab ghazni was a plunderer and a looter for that 16 times maybe he we can conclude him uh, we can mm. say him or we can consider him as a plunderer okay. but uh, after the 17th war when he tried to rule over the place mm. uh, we can call him as a um, we cannot call him as a looter okay right good uh, he might not be interested uh, in the political affairs like uh, a state in an instable instable condition mm-hmm. just take what he want 
mm. responsibility and responsibilities and all okay okay good so uh, right in a way mohammad ab ghazni was a plunderer and a looter he was a plunderer of wealth without any doubt but at the same time he was not merely a plunderer okay because he established a kingdom very huge vast kingdom okay in the west it starts from caspian sea in the east it ends at punjab south it is gujarat okay so almost the entire central india i mean sorry central asia was in the hands of mohammad ab ghazni why invaded india 17 times the reason is wealth right if someone is continuously plundering a region what will happen to that region weakens good then so it is easier to rule, uh, rule that place good very good then uh, by plundering and all the wealth is getting drained and all all the dynasties are getting uh, poor mm. so they won't come uh, they won't uh, show any rivalry towards him if they are not well healthier enough good very good so this is what happened right the continuous plundering weakened the entire region okay already the you no know, islamic influence was there in the northwestern part of india and already the rajputs were fighting amongst each other and already there was a political instability in the region and now the continuous plundering once again weakened the region weakened the society weakened the you know the, the kingdom of rajputs all this led to the fall of the rajput kingdom okay so mohammad ab ghazni encountered this hindu shai ruler who is known as jaypal okay so this jaypal was defeated by the hands of mohammad ab ghazni and what happened is he self immolated okay and he died like suicide right after that his successor anandapala he was also defeated okay even the combined force of three four different rajput kings were not enough to stop mohammad ab ghazni right what are the reasons what are the reasons guys manpower manpower what do you mean by manpower army power as well as wealth army strength what different tools also by his plundering nature he is wealthy enough hmm as he said uh, he got a you know a wide dynasty Okay. So, if men were continuously dying in battlefield, as someone, as you said, what will happen to manpower? It will get reduced. It will get reduced. Men were continuously one after the other, one after the other, dying in the battlefield, and manpower slowly started to diminish. Okay, and as a final blow in the coffin, it was the. 
Solanki rulers defeat and the plunder of famous Somnath temple, okay, which entirely destroyed the Rajput kingdom. Okay, this um, Solanki ruler known as Bhimdev. Bhimdev was uh, the person who got defeated in the hands of Muhammad of Ghazni. And finally, the Rajput kingdom slowly went into ruins. Okay. Yes, sir. Right. So, we discussed about Alburuni, right? Alburuni, right? Kitabai Hind. Yeah. Is there any connection between uh, Alburuni and uh, Muhammad Abbasani? Is court poet? Yeah, good. Right? So he was a, uh, you cannot say he's, Alburin is not a poet. He was in the court of Muhammad of Ghazali. Okay, so this repeated raid of Muhammad of Ghazani into India, one thing reduced manpower. Second thing, the economic distress faced by India. Third thing is the foreign invasion did not stop just you know, after the death or after the end of Muhammad of Ghazni. It continued. It continued even after the death of Muhammad of Ghazni by one person known as guys. Muhammad Gori. Good. Muhammad of Gori. <clears throat> right? This reduced manpower, economic distress, and the ruins of Rajputs, especially the Hindu Shahi kingdom and the Solanki rulers of Gujarat which made the northwestern part and the northern part of India to be defenseless and open for further invasion. Am I right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Right? So, now the entire northwestern part of India, north part of India is defenseless and anyone can invade into that region. Right? One side, it is defenseless. The other side, the remaining Rajput kingdom, okay, the remaining Rajputs were not strong enough to stop the frontier. Okay? Now, there is the introduction of an important person known as Muhammad of Ghazni. Right? <clears throat> So, what did Muhammad of uh, sorry, what did Muhammad of Gori do? Guys, uh, guys, one thing note this: um, Firdosi, he was the poet laureate in the court of Muhammad. This thing I missed. Okay, kindly note this one. Two important personalities. One is Alburni, the other one is Firdausi. Right? Shall we move forward? 
Now it is Mohammed of Gori. So the region is defenseless, the northwestern part. Now anyone can invade, especially a strong Arab ruler can easily invade because his military supremacy, right? He has more manpower. He has a good cavalry. Okay, and his army is disciplined, unlike that army of Rajputs and one more thing is caste issue. How and why caste issue plays an important role in this war between Gori and the Rajputs? How and why caste issue plays an important part in the fight war between Gori and the um, um, Arabs are Gori, I'm sorry, Gori and Rajputs. Uh, the discriminated people easily supported the uh, Gori. Not getting you what? Uh, the discriminated people, the uh -huh. caste people supported uh, Gori. Oh, are you sure? Also, sir, uh, <coughs> Rajputs are Kshatriya rulers. Yeah. Good. Mm. Higher class people uh, might be, you know, supporting Gori. No. Right. See, one thing you must notice. Yeah, what you have said, uh, what you said is correct. Start first part. Rajputs are Kshatriya clan. Kshatriya clan are known for fighting, right? There are warriors. What about other people? Shudras, Vaishyas. What about these people? People belonging to this community. They may not be, they may not be given with uh, much skills uh -huh. or practice or experiences mm. in fighting. Right. So normally uh, they didn't represent in political matters. They are not represented well. Exactly. Already the manpower is low, right? Because men are continuously fighting war. Ghazni already invaded 17 times. Entirely made the northwestern region defenseless after slaughtering the Shahi rulers, after slaughtering the Solanki rulers. Now the entire northwestern and the northern part of India is defenseless because of the continuous invasion of Muhammad of Ghazni. Already manpower is low. And if you are going to follow a caste system that is suppressing the Vaishya and Shudra community that are able-bodied men, able-bodied men who are not able to participate in war, what will happen? You're getting my point, right? Guys? Yes, sir. Ghazni would take over the place easily. What? Ghazni would take over the, those places easily. Okay. Because able-bodied men are not fighting war just because they belong to lower caste. Whereas the other side, Gori is present with a huge army. 
huge wealth greatly ambitious what will happen gauri will win the war gauri will win the war unfortunately that did not happen gauri lost the war what will he do retaliate retaliate exactly right uh ma'am you switched on your uh, yeah thanks okay so what happened is mohammad of gori wanted to invade india okay first what he did was he occupied the multan region and he occupied the sindh region so slowly one after the other mohammad gori invading into new regions and annexing the region to his kingdom okay that's how multan region and the whole of sindh region came under the control of mohammad of gori in his subsequent expeditions okay and he even attacked punjab he captured the kushru malik and annexed punjab also with his region okay and he annexed satluj region also okay and led his invasion of the chauhan kingdom is there any famous personality in chauhan kingdom prithviraj chauhan ah uh, what prithviraj chauhan yes, very good prithviraj prithviraj chauhan okay multan region sindh region punjab region everything is now under the control of mohammad of gori which means he captured the north western the entire north western part of india and all that is left is he has to come into the center of india that is the western up region or the uh, no current day new delhi region or delhi region okay so now what war against prithviraj chauhan okay prithviraj chauhan with the help of other rulers that is the with the help of other rajput king he fought against gori and gori was defeated in the war but however gori narrowly escaped from death and ran away but this made no this made gori like um, um, uh, sorry uh, sorry mm, yeah actually this humiliated gori okay this battle of terrain humiliated gori so gori was waiting for a perfect opportunity and what he did was he slowly gathered huge army huge cavalry to fight against prithviraj chauhan right guys to there yes sir okay so what he did was after the defeat he gathered more than 3 lakhs of horses okay more than uh, 120000 men and marched against prithviraj chauhan in the second battle of tarain 
so this war famously known for known for what famously known for what the second battle of terrain famously known for what guys establishment of sultan exactly. establishment of islamic rule islamic tradition in india officially islam came into india right so the turkish force which was having a swift moving cavalry easily defeated the prithviraj chauhan army prithviraj chauhan was captured and killed during the second battle of terrain which led to the major disaster of entire rajput and the chauhan kingdom or defeat of the chauhan kingdom led to the first muslim kingdom in the history of india right and mohammad of gori returned to his capital ghazni leaving his favorite general a slave known as kutubin aibak kutubudin aibak okay audio is breaking up guys Uh, am i audible or my audio is still breaking sir now it's okay now it's okay va wow. okay thanks right so what happened is just a minute right so for the first time in india a muslim kingdom was established under the under mohammad of gori by qutbuddin aibak so qutbuddin aibak stayed in india and he further expanded or further conquested in india to expand the region okay the dynasty is known as slave dynasty slave dynasty good right slave dynasty good so what are the reasons for the defeat of rajputs or what are the reasons for the failure of hindu kingdom what are the reasons for the defeat of rajputs or the failure of the hindu kingdoms kartika also known as mamluks yeah good slave dynasty or mamluk dynasty unity lack of unity good adrika instability uh, was in between them they were depleted what because of continuous wars between them 
they were depleted of uh, resources uh, army and all okay your audio is very low um, like low i am not able to hear okay right now is it okay sir yeah yes okay, sir <clears throat> so, uh, what i was uh, telling like uh, because of continuous wars in between them they were depleted of uh, resources army and all mm. a weaker side which could be easily defeated by others yeah good very good then anything else sorry your voice is breaking i am not able to get anything sorry your voice is breaking drika uh, lack of defensive strategy good faisal good caste discrimination anantu good rigid caste system right so it's a combination of various reasons as you said one thing is lack of unity among the rajputs the rajput kingdom one thing second thing is manpower low manpower because men are continuously fighting war against the invaders mohammad of ghazni mohammad of gori and uh, right continuously they are fighting war so manpower is also low third thing is since caste system was rigid able bodied men belonging to other caste other community that is the vaishya and shudra they were not fighting war so that made the rajput kingdom even weaker right and the economic distress the continuous plunder and raid by mohammad of ghazni made the region economically weaker region right so the combination of these reasons made hindu kingdom to lose okay and other things are the military methods of the rajputs were inferior compared to the muslims okay and already the hindu states were declining in power okay and indians were using elephants as i said indians were majorly dependent upon elephants whereas the muslim invaders they concentrated on developing cavalry shift moving horses help them to conquer the regions and also the muslim soldiers had better organization and able leaders which we already discussed okay and also their religious zeal what is mean by religious zeal what is mean by religious zeal what is mean by religious zeal guys come on expand religion good kartika conversion arjun religious unity not religious unity abdullah and kartika uh, what is it is correct conversion and expansion of religion okay their religious zeal was they wanted to expand their territory they wanted to 
you know they were they wanted a huge extent of i mean they wanted their religion to travel to other places okay as you said expand religion they wanted to expand their religion to other places so this religious zeal combined with their greediness for the wealth of india continuously provided stimulus for the arab invaders which was absent for the rajput kingdom okay and uh, as we discussed already the um, caste system the hindus particular class that is the kshatriya only fighting the war whereas the other people were not fighting and one important thing other important thing was that hindu rulers were always defensive right they never fought war in the sense they never invaded arabs they were never offensive at all they were always defensive right mohammad of ghazni continuously raided and invaded the place they tried to defend him i mean they tried to defend right and mohammad of ghori invaded they tried to defend <coughs> they were always defending their region they never became offensive or they never attacked arab arab rulers which always kept the hindu kingdom the rajput kingdom in a weak position okay so this combined reason led to the failure of the rajput kingdom okay guys yes sir okay good so go for break and come right we'll meet after 15 minutes
right? I um, <clears throat> okay, guys. Right. So next is Delhi Sultanate. So the first start of the Delhi Sultanate was with the slave dynasty, right? Why the dynasty is called a slave dynasty? Why the dynasty is called slave dynasty? Since Kutubuddin Ayubak started this dynasty. Okay, since Kutubuddin Ayubak started this dynasty, it is known as the dynasty. Okay. So, you know, over a period of time, what happened was, yes, Kutubuddin Ayubak was a slave, and uh, since over a period of time, what happened was, Muhammad of Ghori died. Right? So, Kutubuddin Ayubak was a general of Ghori, once Muhammad of Ghori died, usually what you know, the slaves do? Declare independence. What? Declare independence. Yes, they declare independence. Okay. So once after the Ghori death, Kutubuddin Aibak established his independence. Okay, so the, he established the independence and uh, started to annex and conquer other parts of India. So what happened is he slowly conquered other parts of North India, that is the Punjab region, Sindhu region, Multan region. Okay, and after that what happened is Kutubuddin Aibak had a general who was a slave of Kutubuddin Aibak. His name was Diltutmish. Right? Guys. Right. Many of the people flew after a break. Right. So anyways. Yeah, son-in-law of Kutubuddin Aibak. Okay, so <clears throat> one thing is, I want to ask, why these guys, the Delhi Sultanates and even Mughals for that case, uh, more than Mughals, it's actually Delhi Sultanates. They always favor their slaves. Am I right? If you see even uh, no, the Kutubuddin Aibak, Married his daughter to a slave, Iltutmish. Why so?
than anyone else exactly. they believed in the slaves more than anyone else right more than their own son more than their own daughter they always believed in the slaves one thing about slave system was the slaves were very loyal the slaves were very loyal like to the core very loyal to the core to their masters only to their masters not anyone else that's why if you see just after the death of gori kutubuddin aibak established his independence he severed all the ties that he had with the arab right and right after the death of kutubuddin aibak ilduthnish took over he succeeded the delhi sultanate right he took over the delhi sultanate and he established his own dynasty uh, no even though he was a slave right they were never loyal to anyone else only to their own masters have you seen bahubali katapa yes sir exactly right kartika my audio is breaking up guys am i audible or still my voice is breaking yes sir yes sir able hmm what okay ma'am ma'am you are not audible sir it's audible okay right thanks <clears throat> okay so they were always loyal to their own masters but once their masters were dead they never respected anyone else you can see from kutubuddin aibak you can see from ilputnish you can even see from kilji right so they continuously favored slave system the reason was the slaves were very loyal to their masters but once after their masters die what happened what happens once after the death of their masters what happens they become independent they become independent they revolt against generals they revolt against the sons and daughters of their masters okay and usually a war of bloody war of succession happens and finally whoever the ambitious person they will ascend to the throne okay and this establishment of delhi sultanate had a far reaching changes in the society administration and cultural life of india okay um now you tell me what happened in the society after the establishment of the delhi sultanate what the changes that happened change that happened in the society of india with the establishment of delhi sultanate 
changes in the cultures way of ruling administrations oh that's a generic answer i don't want a generic answer this was expansion expansion no 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 just tell me what happened in society then we'll look after other things ikta system started okay kartika tell me about what happened in society so now um, caste based system is not that prevalent caste based system was not very much prevalent yes very good then society supremacy of brahmins demolished okay guys you are forgetting one important thing one very important thing spread of islam religion exactly that's the first thing that should come into your mind like whenever like someone ask you a question about delhi sultanate their uh, changes the far reaching changes that happened in society with the establishment of delhi sultanate the first thing that should come into your mind is establishment of islam the spread of islam in indian subcontinent <clears throat> right okay administration kartika now you tell the answer whichever you said earlier administration sir new taxation good anjana ikta what is ikta you, you people are saying ikta ikta system ikta dari what is ikta first of all sir new system of taxation ha uh, what new system of taxation good new system of taxation land tax collection under military commanders good very good <clears throat> okay so administration huge change happened that is the ikta system right and what about the cultural life what are the changes that happened in cultural life is there any difference between society and culture what are the changes in culture cultural life of india indian subcontinent 
official language become a Persian? Not getting your word. Uh, language become official language become Persian. Okay, good. Culture is an element in the society. Good. So, influence of a Persian art, their culture, their beliefs. Very good. The beliefs and the influence of you know Islam tradition, art, architecture into the Indian art and architecture, cultural life. Good. Very good. Kutub Minar. Okay. Amal, Kutub Minar named after Kutubuddin I book, right? Architectural changes. Iltuts Mish completed Kutub Minara. Started by Kutubuddin I book. Named after Kutubuddin I book. Named after Kutubuddin Ibaka. Contribution in the field of music and literature. Yeah, it all started during this period. Anyways, Kutub Minar named after not Kutubuddin Aibak. Kutub Minar is named after Kutubuddin Bhaktiyar, who was a Sufi saint. Okay, don't confuse between Kutubuddin Aibak and Kutubuddin Kakiyar. Kutub Minar was named after Kutubuddin Kakiyar, who was a Sufi saint. Okay, don't get confused. Uh, so Sufis okay. came in the, uh... Hello? Sir? What? So Sufis came in Delhi. Sir, your audio is not, um, I'm not able to hear it. It's very low. Uh, hello, sir. Ah. Uh, sir, is Sufis came in this dynasty? What? Sufi Sufis. Ah. Came after Delhi Sultanate. Not audible. What? Sir, uh, he's asking uh, this uh, Sufism started with um, Delhi Sultanate. When Sufis came to India. Yeah, Sufism is a practice that came into India, obviously, with the uh, no, establishment of Delhi Sultanate. It's not started with Delhi Sultanate, but the practice entered into India through Delhi Sultanate. Okay, so you know that Rajput dynasty, early Turkish ruler, next Kalji dynasty, Tukluk dynasty, Sayyid dynasty, Lodi dynasty. Okay, 
So, important people among the Delhi Sultanates were one person is Kutubuddin Naibak because he was the person responsible for the establishment of Delhi Sultanate, right? Ildutmish is also important because he introduced various systems and his system of silver tanka. Okay, he introduced the coin silver tanka in India, which currently the the coin that we follow, the modern day coin system, the coinage system that we follow, came from the introduction of silver tanka by Ildutmish. Okay, so Ildutmish was also another important person. Razia, obviously you know, right? Razia is another important person because she she was the only Muslim ruler who was a women. Good. Yes, the construction of yes, Kartika, the construction of Kutub Minar was completed during the period of Delhi Sultanate only. It started during the period of Kutupudi Naibak, but completed by Iltutmish because of the untimely death of Kutupudi Naibak while playing horse polo, Chaugan. Yeah, I can remove the black box, but unfortunately, you people are continuously texting me. Um, every time I open this text box, the chat box, it is going to create disturbance for you only. You understand, right? Whenever I open this chat box, it's going to create the black box. <clears throat> That's why I ask you to speak instead of texting me. Again. Right? So, next is Razia, as I said. She was the only uh, ruler who was a woman. Next, Gyasuddin Balban. Balban was responsible for the introduction of various systems in India. Okay, and this Balban system was further no enhanced by upcoming followers, upcoming successors of not just Delhi Sultanate, of also Mughals. Okay, so he was another important personality. After this, it's Alauddin Kilji, who was very important because Alauddin Kilji and Mohammed bin Tuklat are those people, the two different personalities, one who persuaded defensive system, the other one persuaded the offensive system. Uh, these two people, that is the Alauddin Kilji and Mohammed bin Tukla, came up with various measures to stop the Mongol invasion. But whatever Alauddin Kilji did became successful, and whatever Mohammed bin Tukla did became hasty decision and went into ruins. So the comparison between Alauddin Kilji and Mohammed bin Tukla is very important. So these two guys are also very important. Yeah, maybe. Right? So anyways, the important personalities are the entire early Turkish rulers, Kutubuddin Naibak, Iltutmish, Razia, and Gyasuddin Balban. Apart from that, Alauddin Kilji and Mohammed bin Tukla. These guys are very important. And apart from that, um, it's not that important. Bahulun Lodi or Kizir Khan. Okay, these guys are not that important. So concentrate on majorly Alauddin Kilji Mohammed bin Tukla and the early Turkish rulers.
okay so one thing you must do is you should read this okay try to memorize the period of the rulers i'm not asking you to memorize the exact year okay there's no need for you to memorize that kutubuddin naikal ibak started in 1206 to 1210 elthutmish uh, from 1210 to 1236 razia from 1236 to 1240 there's no necessity to do that what you have to do is just know the timeline the period of these rulers kutubuddin naikal was the ruler who who throned the delhi sultanate in the 13th century and same the case with all four turkish rulers kutubuddin aybak elduthmish razia giyasuddin balban all four of them were during the 13th century people and kilji uh, came into 14th century 13 and 14th century mohammed bin tuklak in 14th century right so at least their century you should know the major reason is recently like from 2017 onwards upsc is asking one kind of question the question is they are asking contemporary of rulers for example there could be a sufi saint or there could be a bhakti saint in medieval period what they do is they always ask the question whether the sufi saint or the bhakti saint contemporary of particular delhi sultanate ruler or mughal ruler okay if you at least know the timeline of the rulers of and the timeline of the bhakti and sufi saint you will be able to answer it okay just know the timeline there's no need to mug up the exact year know which century to which century or what is the period first half of the century or second half of the century exactly like no that's what i'm saying first half first half of the century or second half of the century which part of the century third 13 or 14 or 15 or 16 that you should know okay you are not going to get direct question in upsc the questions are going to be very indirect and to answer that you should know all these things okay shall we move forward Uh, sir. Yes, sir. Right. So this is how the Delhi Sultanate region expanded. You can see under Kutubuddin Naibak. Just a minute. So this is the region under Kutubuddin Naibak. right and iltutmish expanded it to a great extent right and it was diminished during the period of balban okay and again it was increased under the period of alauddin khilji and then it got increased under the influence of mohammed bin tuklak okay and under the lodi dynasty it was reduced because once again rajputs climbed power in different parts of india and at the same time bahmani vijayanagara kingdom became powerful in south india okay so the delhi sultanate period 
expansion happened at the same time regression also happened okay it's not that continuous expansion happened during the period of deleuze internet it increased during under certain rulers it decreased under certain rulers so anyways at its peak it was alauddin khilji and mohammed bin tughlaq who controlled a large extent of india okay under delhi sultanate so anyways um, there's no need to know all these things that is kutubi dynasty ilbari dynasty second ilbari dynasty there's no need to know that just understand these guys belong to slave dynasty or mamluk dynasty and understand their uh, know their timeline it's enough okay right anyways you know about uh, gori which we uh, already saw anyways gori belonged to slave dynasty he established the slave dynasty and he uh, died it was an untimely death while playing horse polo or known as chaugan okay <clears throat> yeah this is what i was saying he died during playing chaugan or horse polo and he started um, building qutub qutub minar okay uh, to pattern the khwaja qutubuddin bakhtiyar right so that's it <clears throat> what else you have to know about qutubuddin aibak okay anyways qutubuddin aibak was succeeded by aram baksh but however you know iltut mishu was a slave killed arambaksh and established that his own dynasty known as ilbari dynasty who was the son in law of qutubuddin aibak okay and he completed qutub minar the largest or the tallest it's the tallest right it's the tallest in india right guys taj mahal hmm yes sir taj mahal okay i think it is the tallest not taj mahal qutub minar it is the tallest stone tower in india okay qutub minar is the largest stone tower in india i mean tallest stone tower in india at 238 feet okay and as i said tiltukmish introduced this arabic coinage known as silver tanka and okay and the modern indian currency i mean sorry modern indian coin system is based upon this silver coin the silver tanka introduced by tiltukmish there's a chance that upsc might ask you this question okay like tanka what is the meaning of tanka or what do you understand by the word tanka or they might ask you in medieval indian history there is a word called tanka what does it refer to okay chances are there that upsc might ask this as a question right recently that's how they construct their question 
this is Kutub Minar. But anyways, we don't worry. Uh, we'll see art and culture. Okay. We'll see what are the inscriptions there in Kutub Minar in art and culture. Who started it? Who completed it? That you know already. Kutub Minar and Yildut Nish. What are the modifications that was done in Kutub Minar complex after? Uh, no, after these guys also. That also we'll see in art and culture. Now you no need to worry about that. We'll move on with Yildut uh, Nish and Chengiz Khan. Okay. Who's Chengiz Khan? Mongol. Mongol ruler who tried to uh, huh? uh, get or invade the world, conquer the world. Not audible. Sir, a Mongol ruler who tried to conquer the world. Okay, the Mongol ruler who tried to conquer the world. Okay, and uh, the Mughals. Mughals are the descendants of Chengiz Khan. Am I right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. From their father's side. One side, sir. Yes, sir. Or mother's side. Uh, mother's side. Mother's side, they are Mongol. Okay, but however, they did not like him. They favored yes, Taimur. Uh, they favored Taimur over Chengiz Khan. The reason was Chengiz Khan and the Mongols were associated with the slaughter of the no um, Babur, right? With the slaughter of the Babur tribe. Okay, so they did not like Chengiz Khan, anyways. Right, anyways, the period of Iltutmish was the time. When Chengiz Khan wanted to conquer the world, okay, he defeated Jalaluddin Mangabarni. Okay, what happened was Jalaluddin Mangabarni entered into. Uh, he wanted. He sought asylum from Iltutmish, but however, Iltutmish refused to give him asylum because he feared the wrath of the Chengiz Khan. Okay, and that is the only reason why Chengiz Khan did not invade India. During the period of Yiltutmish, and he returned to China. Okay, but however, this did not last long, right? This did not last long, right? Right. So, anyways, this did not last long because the reason is India continuously faced problem in the northwestern frontier. Am I right? India's northwest region was continuously influenced and influxed by the foreign invaders. 
not just during medieval period but also during the ancient period and even after that that was the case right continuously one after the other one after the other the foreign invaders invaded into india and you can see that the entire period of alauddin khilji he would have defended his empire from the onslaught of mongols and the same happened with mohammed bin tughlaq also however they took various measures different measures different from each other right anyways so you know that iltutmish expanded the region right under the kutubuddin aibak the region was confined only to the delhi and the east west part of delhi but however under iltutmish he controlled various rajput rulers okay he succeeded the regions of pratampur ajmer gwalior and annexed it to the delhi sultanate okay and also he controlled the region of bengal bihar he annexed the sindh region multan region punjab region okay however his expedition against the malwa region it was not successful right anyways one thing about iltutmish was he named his daughter razia as the successor of his throne okay and you know that razia was an able leader and she ascended the throne after the death of iltutmish okay but one problem with razia was she was a woman right was that a problem yes sir why like uh, <coughs> what the nobility what i mean patriarchal uh, uh, character of not getting you so the conservative nature mm. uh, mean uh, those what sufis or whatever mm. mullahs her yeah they didn't That's like right. uh, women you uh, know to rule the country exactly so the the conservatism the orthodox nature of the religion and rule stopped razia from being very efficient unfortunately she was the most efficient of all the sons of uh, iltutmish however this you know right the conservative nature and the orthodox nature of the religion and the turkish nobles okay they revolted against razia and anyways finally they killed they defeated razia and killed her that was the end of razia sultan okay anyways next important personality was balban right giyasuddin balban he ascended to the throne next 
right again you know that these guys usually they kill they always wait for an opportunity once they get that opportunity they will always ascend to the throne that's what balban also did okay one thing about balban is he was a very able leader you can see that he ruled more than 40 years right he ruled more than 40 years so you can understand how able or how efficient he was as a leader and a king okay and during the era of balban he also faced this mongol invasion okay the mongols always waiting looking forward to attack the northwest frontier of india and invade into india okay one thing about balban was his situation was not good one side mongols were trying to invade the other side the turkish chiefs were hostile to him and the other side his position was not secure okay and also the governors posted at Indi i mean posted at a distant regions they were also trying to ascertain their own independence they wanted to become their i mean they wanted to become independent rulers okay and also the indian rulers that the hindu kingdom the rajput kingdom they were also waiting to revolt even if smallest opportunity was available to them <coughs> what will you do if you were balman balban is facing problem on all sides what will you do one side turkish chiefs hostility the other side mongol invasion right governors who were trying to ascertain independence and the rajput kings who were waiting to revolt what will you do strengthen the military ट्रीटी fortification good that's it having friendly relationship between uh rajput clans not getting what friendly uh, relation between uh rajput clans making no. making friendly relationship between uh, rajput clan okay mm-hmm. see there should be solution for everything right turkish chiefs the nobles were hostile to him okay 
these guys were known as the 40 uh, sorry the 40 f o r t y uh, whatever your pronunciation is 40 40 whatever that your pronunciation is right he wanted to control these guys these nobles okay he understood one thing that is only by controlling these people the turks i mean the turkish chief the nobles he can control or come i mean uh, he can control and come up with a strict discipline okay so what he did was he introduced a system okay he introduced a system known as prostration prostration what is prostration 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 so guessing right. uh, giving some importance position no okay i'll tell you one more thing balban said that rulers the kings are the shadow of god you understand he said that kings are the shadow of god on earth so how will you treat a god guys what will you do if god comes before you guys so you should obey and respect obey what just obey i mean uh, respect uh, don't you know uh, protest obey respect mm-hmm. so respect obey and uh consent what so respect obey and uh no but i'm i'm not able to hear you hear your voice you are inaudible for me um kartika good cleaning the feet and kissing okay so kissing the feet of the ruler cleaning the feet of the ruler bow bow down before the ruler sit in the floor before the ruler okay so he made his court into a place of worship like he sat near the he sat in the place of god that is western side he sat near the western side you know right west is known for for islamic tradition west is the place to worship right yes kneel before king yes sir ah uh, so he sat in the western side so that he you know be reinforced that he was the shadow of god on earth okay so the turkish ruler who were hostile to him they had no other way to bow down and over a period of time he was able to control the hostile 
nobles right one thing second thing was he introduced a festival known as navros what is navros new year ma'am new year new year persian new year okay so see this could be a potential question in upsc balban was the person who introduced navros festival in india persian new year okay it is one of the important uh, festival in the world and it is also one of the unesco intangible cultural heritage right so navros festival was introduced by balban which was the persian new year so he introduced this navros festival to impress the nobles and the people to over i mean to show his wealth and power to the world okay uh -huh. so this introduction of navros festival strengthened his position not just among the nobles but also to the governors who were seeing his wealth and power okay and what about the mongols who are waiting for an opportunity to attack the sultan guys screen not seen yes amal appointment of spice okay to control the governors okay he appointed spice all over the region so that he could control the governor also he appointed spice so that he could know the mongol invasion beforehand okay at the same time he did not give any important posting to the indian muslims so that the orthodox conservative persian muslims will or the orthodox muslim conservative persian nobles they will applaud him okay so that is another thing <clears throat> anything else Anything else? How about killing some nobles who are standing against you? You will do that, right? If you become king, and there were uh, there are some sub I mean insubordinate uh, nobles under you, you will kill them, right? Am I right? yes sir yes, yes that's sir. what he did killing is not just you no know, hanging you okay what he did was he publicly skinned people flogging you know about the word right flogging skinning 
No one. No, sir. Okay. Flogging means you can say mutilating, cutting off limbs, peeling your skin off of your body. Okay. He publicly did all these things so that he wanted to instill fear among those insubordinate <clears throat> nobles. Okay. And you must know that these Delhi Sultanates are known for all kind of cruel activities. Okay. They they easily do this. <clears throat> so this is what I was saying. Okay, Malik Bakbak. This was the guy, the governor. He was publicly flogged. So this is that word, flogged. Flogging. Okay. So, this is how he slowly eliminated the nobles, governors who were insubordinate to him. Okay. And also, Balban paid more attention in restoring the law and order in his nation. Okay. And one important thing is. Divanai Ars. How many of you attended my previous question for discussion? Do you remember this? <clears throat> Divanai Ars. Sir, screen is not seeing. Why? Like, Sir, is it my problem? Is it not visible to uh, others or it's only for him? It is visible, but uh, there are black boxes. Like, yeah, that's what uh, I'm saying. Text, I'm obviously, it's how many times should I tell? If you are going yeah, to. I, the, and I opened, if I open the chat box, it's obviously right, going to create a black top. Right? So, Divanai Ars was created by Balban. It's a potential UPSC question. Already UPSC asked. And there's a possibility that UPSC will ask this question again once more. Okay? And he safeguarded the outskirts of Delhi. Okay, robbers were put into death. Roads became safe for travel purposes. Okay, so Balban came up with a lot of measures. He restored military. He restored law and order. He restored fear. He instilled fear among the governors, nobles, and slowly started to win. And that's why you can see he stayed more than 40 years in the throne. Okay. Right. Anyways, the Northwest region were continuously 
under the influence of mongols right anyways but uh, balban died in the year 1287 and obviously this led to the establishment of next dynasty what is the next dynasty kalji dynasty kalji dynasty okay so spelling differs kalji kalji some books say kalji some books say kalji doesn't matter don't worry about it okay so by the end of balban era the mongols appeared reappeared in the northwestern frontier and this mongol continuously pestered for another century one more century okay so the entire period of kilji the kilji dynasty and tukluk dynasty they had to face mongol invasion again and again in northwestern frontier of india what is the reason behind this issue if you see india continuously faced this problem right in the northwestern frontier always it was a issue for india continuously one after the other the invaders came through northwest frontier only am i right aryan settlers then i hope you remember from ancient class greeks ha huh? greeks greeks good kushanas indo greeks sakas sakas alexander yes then arabs that is the delhi sultanates ghazni gori after that mongols hans after that ha huh, hans invasion after that uh, i mean next uh, it's moguls right continuously invasion was happening in india from the north western frontier why 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 the north western frontier was always an was always an issue for india what is the reason sustainability war indian uh, western frontier but india what india didn't built a wall in uh, western frontier yeah. but china did it so yes to stop the mongol invasion chinese built a wall the great wall of china but unfortunately our guys did not build any wall because they were busy fighting against each other right so through the northwestern frontier all these guys continuously invaded india and made india their homeland settled in india plundered india right anyways um so this is the end of era of balban right tomorrow we will see the other uh, delhi sultanates kilji dynasty tukluk dynasty then we'll move on to mughals establishment of mughals okay so we'll can conclude our class with this today if you have any doubt kindly ask me otherwise we'll conclude the class
right then we'll conclude our class thank you have a good day thank you sir thank, thank you sir. sir have a good day.